something God spoke to me about this morning, and it's something I want to kind of share into this morning, is the absolute necessity we've got for God to use us in spite of us, in spite of where we're at or, you know, who we are, in spite of, you know, how we're feeling. And my, so my prayer this morning when I woke up at five, because my son woke up at quarter to five, around there. And so my prayer was, Lord, I feel horrible because I've been sick this week and last week. Um, I'm tired and I just, I'm wrestling with my own stuff and my own life as we all do. I know you do. You might not say it to other people, but you do. And, uh, and Lord, would you just this morning, I know you can still use me, even though I feel like right now I've got nothing to give. But uh, what, a, what a perfect place to be in, actually. Because the reality is when you know that you've got nothing to give and you allow the Lord to say, God, would you please come and just do whatever you want to do, you've really hit a special place in your relationship with the Lord. And it's something I want to share with you, about, share with you on this morning. Um, Neil didn't really tell you much about our story, but it doesn't matter because it's not that important. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay, man. But uh, let me start with a, a, a saying. It's my saying, so I'll coin it. Um, if you think it's good, okay, otherwise I'm going to say it's someone else's. But uh, just something I felt for you guys this morning, specifically, and this is something that goes across to all Christianity, all of, all of the Lord's people, is uh, a misperception of your purpose is probably the best way to keep you from inheritance in God. Must I say that again? Was it too good? A misperception of your purpose on earth is the greatest strategy of the enemy to keep you from your destiny and your purpose in God. He wants you to misunderstand the purpose you've got in God. And let me just quickly tell you one thing. Your destiny and purpose in God has got nothing to do with you. It's got everything to do with us. So, where's that puzzle, bro? Oh, won't you open it for me? Yeah, if you can just open it. Don't show the picture. Oh, those are massive pieces. Okay? If you struggle with eyesight, you can build this. So, won't you just pass this along? Everyone doesn't have to get a piece. And just each of you take a piece. But don't lose it. It's Neil's. I'm sure he wants to build it again. All right. Whoa, this thing's about to go. If you guys see this thing do that, just tell me, okay, because I've already lost a laptop to that. So, uh, Sh Sherry, my wife, reminded me this morning how we were at a place at once. No. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's not cool. We were at a space at one point before, um, before the Lord, for the first time in my life, of a... Of a 12-year journey of walking with him, having gotten saved, knowing him to a degree, and wanting to get to know him more, but the, the root of my walk with the Lord was my pursuit of my purpose. Okay? Did you hear that? My walk with the Lord was based on my pursuit of my purpose, which is the problem. Because if I'm constantly seeking my purpose on the earth, my walk with the Lord is going to be pretty shallow. Because it's all about me. 
And I love how this morning, how many times we spoke about me. It's not about me. Neil mentioned pride. I love some of the songs we sang this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, rest on me. I'm not going to sing it because I've forgotten the tune right now. Come, rest on me. Come, rest on me. Oh, Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, how much I love it when you come into the room. Because then we sing what heart makes you feel. It's a great worship song. Worship team, don't feel like it's a bad choice of song. It's a great song. The reality is it's about how you feel and the Holy Spirit resting on you. My question is, why must the Holy Spirit rest on you and for what purpose? Is it to make you feel nice or feel good? Because when I read my Bible, I see the Holy Spirit coming in power, in fire, refining, and He actually comes to empower the people that He rests on in order to do something that will ultimately cause them to do what God has called them to do. So, so what we should be singing is, Holy Spirit, come rest on me so that I can actually walk into what you want me to walk into. Not so that I can just feel nice. Because when He does that, then I'll actually walk into my purpose in the Lord. And, and, and the thing is, we misunderstand our purpose in the Lord. And, and it's one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is to keep you, even as a Christian, so aware. Do you know how often I have to get people's mindsets off of their destiny in God? Do you know that that actually could be a strategy of the enemy to keep you from knowing God properly and the significance of who you are within the greatness of his kingdom? is your pursuit of your destiny. And it sounds like a complete contradiction, but it's the reality. Because your pursuit of your destiny is all about you. Do you know what our pursuit should be? Absolute surrender. And we fall into our destiny. Absolute surrender before the Lord. I'm going to throw another... Remember the other... Did you guys think the other quote was good? Okay, it's mine. I'm sure someone else said it as well. You right now, yeah, just keep an eye on this thing. It's my only laptop. I don't have money to buy another one. <laughs> so, no. so, you right now is in a pursuit, and uh, you're not going to raise your hands because I've just killed that thing. Who right now would love to, is currently waiting for God to speak to them about something? Come on. You're waiting. You, you really, you're earnestly seeking the Lord to speak to you either about a job or about moving or about a marriage partner or about what else? Throw it out there. Like getting a job. Yeah, you should, we should all work. Whatever. We all at some point of our walk with the Lord, whether you saved newly or have been saved for 20 years, you come to places where you got to find the Lord on certain things and you want Him to answer you, yes? Do you know what He spoke to me about yesterday? And He convicted me of this thing, actually. He said to me, if you would just actually posture your heart in seeking me about the thing you want to know about, rather than wanting the answer that you're seeking me for, you'll probably hear me clearer in the thing that you're looking, looking to me for. I feel like I need to say that again. <laughs> I confuse myself. So he said to me, posture your heart in the thing you're searching me for 
rather than searching for the answer, and you'll probably hear me more clearly. In other words, put in your mind whatever the thing is when you put up your hand and said, yes, I'm, I'm trusting God to answer me on something. A husband, a wife, a job. Uh, the first question I would say the Lord's asking you right now is, where's your heart with regards to that thing? Is your heart postured in such a way that he can do whatever he wants with that thing, whenever he wants, however he wants, or are you just really wanting the answer because that thing gives you some sense of purpose? And that's what I, that's what I just realized yesterday. Yes, Lord, I, I, can't, I can't think there's something I need to hear you about because for some reason that thing, when I hear you, it's going to somehow make me better in you and make, give me more of my destiny in God. Because the purpose for me in the, in me, with me in the Lord is for me to be constantly, completely be surrendered in Him. My heart. So let me give you an example. I'm so far off my notes. Do you know anyone else that says that? <laughs> let me give you an example. As an eldership team currently back at home, we, we're weighing up quite a serious thing. We've gotten this thing that's fallen on our laps. It actually it, 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 it fits in with some of the things that God's spoken over us as a church. Okay? Prophetic words over your life. Be careful to chase them. It fits in with everything God said. It fits in with everything that he's, that he's given us. It fits in with a picture. Man, we are equipped to do it. And then we're weighing this thing up. And then I hear about some dream that somebody had a little while ago that literally, word for word, confirms this thing that we're busy weighing up. Word for word. If I had to read it to you, you'd actually go, why aren't you doing it already? Okay? But in the processing, what I realize is that God, for some reason, is teaching us as an eldership team how to process something that we believe might be our inheritance and our purpose, but it's not about the purpose or inheritance. It's about us processing our hearts before the Lord and trusting Him. It's got nothing to do with the thing. So for some of you right now, your hopes and your hearts are so set on your destiny and purpose that you miss Missing completely the process. Completely. You see, it's about destiny and understanding properly what your purpose is in the Lord. And I, I said this morning uh, to Mark, he asked me, um, what are you sharing on? And I had, I had a confused look on my face because it was sort of like a little bit of everything. But uh, I do want to share three things, and I'm the most, you can ask my wife, She's, outside, oh, she's not outside, she's there. I'm the least point-for-point point person, to, you probably already figured that out, point-for-point <laughs> point preaching person you'll ever meet in your life. I don't do that. Okay, but I'm still going to do it today. I'm going to give you three things that I feel are probably the three things that the Lord wants to say to you. Not the three biggest things. The three things I felt the Lord wants to say to you this morning as Greenpoint Congregation that causes you to not walk into the purposes that God's got for you or causes you to stay and sit. Is that okay? Are you guys are right with that? Otherwise, you can call out another topic and I'll try. All right. So I want to start with a story in uh, Cheapest. The time's flying. Let me just calm down a little bit. 
I'm sorry if I speak loud. I just tend to do that, or if I'm shouting, because a lot of you are looking at me like shell shocks. Does he talk quite softly? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. So Genesis, okay, forget about Genesis. Don't put it up yet. Um, I want to tell you about a story of a guy. Don't forget about Genesis just right now. Of a guy that was asked by the Lord to do something which before he had done that thing was a nobody. But before the Lord, he was somebody. And then suddenly the Lord asked him to do something that was way outside of him. Okay. And this guy, his name is Noah. Okay. So let's read his story quickly. Very quick. Now we can remember Genesis. Cool. Let's read this. I don't know if it's the same version I'm reading here. Now the earth was corrupt and God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And then God gives them very specific instructions. Let's read it anyway. I wasn't going to, but let's do it. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening of one cubit. High all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower. Sorry? What am I saying? Make the ark yeah, lower. Middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. And your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all the living creatures. And so he carries on. Now, I just wonder, at one point... Did Noah stop and say, Lord, what do you want me to build? Because we assume that he just knew what an ark was. But how many arks were around before he was asked to build one? Zero. Like, I actually had to go and search this morning, were there even boats around before he built an ark? And generally, the consensus is that there were some like small like barges and like little floaty things, but there were no boats. So God says to him, hey, I want you to build an ark. And I reckon Noah said, a what? Because surely he would have been like, Lord, I get that you've just given me the plan, but it's cool to know how big it must be and what I must use, but I've got no idea because I've never in my life seen anyone else do it, and therefore I don't know how to do it. Okay? The beautiful thing is that the Lord gives him a promise. And he says, I will establish my covenant with you. Do you know what we do as Christians nowadays? We go, the Lord said he will establish his covenant with me, which is already done, by the way. And so all I want is my purpose within his covenant. And you're chasing that purpose in his covenant all the time. But the Lord is actually asking you to build an ark. And instead of going, yes, Lord, I'll start building, you're saying, a what? The whole time. And what he's asking you to do is so big and beyond you and uncomfortable and just you've got no idea how to do it. 
that you're just stuck. You're not doing anything. Does that make sense? And so for some of us, the Lord is actually saying, forget about your purpose. Just do the thing that I'm asking you to do right now, which will lead you to stumbling into the purpose that I've got for you. Just start with now. Does that make sense? (laughs) You see, what we like to do is go, I've seen that guy build a, what? A jungle gym. And so, Lord, I also want to build a jungle gym. Because everybody plays with a jungle gym. But the Lord's asking you to build something else. So you, you might know how to build that thing, but he's not asking you to build that. He's asking you to build something else. Does that make sense? And we've we got to somehow get our, our heads around what, you know, my destiny. What is my destiny in God? Well, Lord, it's somehow got to be, you know, out there, big, me known, uh, voice from up front, uh, big in business, making money. Uh, I know we're always hitting the money thing. I don't know why. Is it because it maybe gives us the greatest sense of purpose on the earth? That might be why. But maybe some of you are destined to make money. That's great. Just don't find your purpose in it. Because your purpose won't be in it. It's the very thing the Lord will touch. And touch. And touch some more and take away. And then maybe never give back to you. Because it will keep you from your destiny in the Lord. Alright. So the question is, well, the statement first. Who here doesn't want to know what their destiny in the Lord is, their purpose? God, what have you called me to? Man, I, I still want to know. Just as long as I'm yielded to the purposes of the Lord and what He's doing today and asking me to do today, I will be walking into and stumbling into the purposes and the destiny that God's got for me. But my, my purpose and destiny is not to be a pastor and an elder within the kingdom. It's only for as long as God keeps me doing that. But it might change. He might call me to something else. He might ask me to do something else. He might move me to something else. I don't know. But what I do know is that my purpose before the Lord is to constantly say, Lord, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to be obedient in today? All right. So we all want that, right? I want to know. And I constantly want to know. I want to know 10 years from now. But I know I'm not going to know now. The question to you is, what are you willing to do? And what is God asking you to do right now? Because there is something that God is asking you to do right now. It's that thing I said right in the beginning. Holy Spirit, come and rest on me. Our prayer should be, Holy Spirit, come rest on me so I can step into what you're asking me to do today. So I can step towards what you want me to do today. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. Some of us are familiar with the Holy Spirit as a comforter more than the one that empowers us. Because Jesus said, 
I will send to you one that will comfort you. But he said a whole much more about the Holy Spirit that will come and actually speak to us the secrets of God and Jesus in the throne room and come back and speak to us about what they're speaking about. Do you know that? And it'll actually come and equip us when we are so ill-equipped. Ask me, I've got a very good testimony when it comes to that. He will come and empower us when we feel incredibly weak. So some of us need to move our mindset from the Holy Spirit being our comforter and our feeling fuzzy and warm and going, Holy Spirit, empower me, equip me, because what you're asking me I can't do. It's impossible. Why am I so thirsty? You guys are making me nervous. So the question is, what are you willing to do? Or do you want to keep sitting, hoping, sitting, hoping, with a comforter, feeling comfortable? Or do you want to get up and do what he's asking you to do that he'll empower you to do? Because the same spirit that keeps you comfortable will empower you. And that peace that transcends all understanding is the same spirit that will give you the same peace that transcends all understanding when you step out into the things that are incredibly scary. And here's the thing that I do know. Every single one of you at some point in your life will be asked by the Lord for the first time to step into something that's incredibly scary for you. But it'll be in obedience, and it'll be glorious, and it'll be beautiful, and it'll be a story of Jesus doing something in your life that is so beyond you, you can't even explain it. And it won't be the first time and the last time. It'll be the first time and you'll grow. The second time he'll ask you something that's even bigger. The third time he'll ask you something that's even bigger. And then some years later, you'll find yourself coming to preach in Greenpoint, and you'll say, Lord Jesus, I still feel so ill-equipped outside of you. Will you just please help me this morning to do what you want me to do? But the thing is, you become used to it. You get used to how much you need the Holy Spirit to do something that you can't do. Now you're talking about relationship with the Lord and not a pursuit of purpose. Which actually is your purpose. Isn't that amazing? So what are the three things? Let's do this point thing. That's on my phone. Whose phone is this? Doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Three things that keep us from moving. Moving. That's all I said. <laughs> Firstly, do you know that you are incredibly significant? Do you know that? No one knows that. Do you know that you are very significant? Do you know what significant means? An understanding that you have purpose. You are incredibly significant. But your significance is not about you being significant. That's again me saying the first thing just in a different way. So the reality is, we've got these two things. I, I, I struggle to feel significant because I come from such a broken past that the enemy's had his way with me just all my life. And I've got all these areas where I'm so broken down in my, my belief that the Lord will even use me. And so I feel completely insignificant. Which is as sinful as feeling completely significant. Do you know that? 
Because feeling insignificant means that you don't believe in the power of Jesus to come into your life despite your brokenness and your areas of brokenness and your sifness and your whatever you can't do and saying, I understand how broken you are and I'm going to do something with you anyway. So, but your focus on your insignificance is actually a sin. Because it's not like the Lord didn't know that when he died on the cross for you. He knows exactly what you need when you need it, in order to do what he wants you to do. So the question again is, do you know that you're significant? Do you struggle to believe that you're significant? And that your significance is not about you. It's about us. So where's those puzzle pieces? If you've got a puzzle piece, won't you hold that up? Okay. So what do you see in your puzzle piece? You, <laughs> you see a picture, right? You see it? Okay. Okay, let's, let's, let's calm down. Don't all tell me what you're seeing. I just, it was a rhetorical question. All right. You see a picture on the one side, right? Picture on the one side. Are all of your shapes the same? They're all different, right? What do you see on the other side? Nothing. Who's ever built one of those puzzles without pictures? Can't be honest. I mean, really, you get those. Can you believe it? Well done. <laughs> That's amazing. I don't have the. I can't even build this thing. I'm not even patient enough for that. Do you know what's significant about this? This scripture that has been mentioned so many times this morning, Ephesians two. Verse 22, which these acts didn't know I had in my notes, but I did. I didn't put it in now. It was in this morning, earlier. And in him, you too are being built together like living stones. Why? To be a beautiful building? No. To become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. So why does the Lord want to build you together? Because he wants to show the earth something that they don't understand, that they can't comprehend, that they've never seen before. And so he wants to do something with people that each one of them are a different shape, a different size, a different part of the picture. But somehow together, they portray something. So the beautiful thing about a puzzle is that it forms this. A picture. But what has to happen is that the Lord needs to take each significant piece and as a living stone, wash it, shape it, cleanse it, form it, and build it together with the other pieces to form a picture. And the picture is his picture. Do you get that? That's part of your purpose. To be built together with other living stones to form a picture. It's not about you. It's got nothing to do with you. Because you on your own show a very small part of the picture. And, and the thing is, we, can I quickly borrow your piece? The thing is this. We're all in different spaces. Because many of us, when we come into the life of the church, we come in like this. No one can see what we look like. No one can see our picture. 
And we're always changing because we don't want anyone to figure us out. And so what happens is the Lord's trying to build you in to the other portions of living stones, but we are just saying, but Lord, I'm not significant, so you can't build me in because what part am I really going to form about this in this bigness of what you're trying to do? And so we're saying, no, Lord, it's fine. I'm just going to keep myself like this all the time. And I believe the Lord's saying to you this morning, you need to turn yourself around so other people can see who you are, so they can help you fit into the picture and the greatness of what God's got for you around the fullness of the greatness of what God's got for us. So that together, He can build something to become the dwelling place of what He's got for us. Is that okay? It's interesting that Paul, writing this letter to the Ephesians, he was actually busy writing to them about the Jews and the Gentiles. He was actually trying to explain to them, you know, this gospel that has now come transcends where you come from, who you are, what your background is, your affluence, your look, your your understanding, your tradition, your it, it transcends everything, which is why he wrote to them. Do you get that? Do you know that? So he writes them a letter and he says to them, you must understand this gospel that's come to you has got nothing to do with where you're from because it's for Jews and Gentiles. It's a super significant thing. Do you know what the problem is with us? That we make ourselves, just understand the picture of what I'm trying to give you here. We make ourselves Jews and Gentiles again. We go, but I can't fit in here. Or I can't fit in there. Or we, we undo the miracle of what Jesus did. To cause us to be built into something that without him we can never be a part of. And I believe this morning the Lord's saying to some of you, you need to stop, stop looking at your insignificance. Because I've made you significant. And I didn't make you significant to be significant so you could have significance. That's another cool thing to say. I made you significant so that you could be significant. So there could be purpose. All right. Is that cool? That was number one. That was my time. Ish. Secondly, I'm going to make a statement. Who likes being comfortable? Oh, no. I wish no one put up their hands. I was really hoping, man, I laid a foundation for you guys to go, don't put up your hand for that. (laughs) I'm glad I didn't say that. So, can I tell you something? Jesus has nothing for you in your comfort zone. You want him? You want to find him? You want to see him move in your life? Stop being comfortable. He's never, ever, ever going to keep you comfortable and use you. Forget about it. We've got a saying by us. We've gotten comfortable with being uncomfortable. Do you know that not one morning, not one Sunday morning am I comfortable to preach? Not once. Last Sunday I preached in Oxygen Life. The previous morning I was in the emergency room until... What? Hoppers two, two o'clock. Hoppers one. 
with like stomach things. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I wasn't comfortable. I didn't sleep well. My wife didn't sleep well. Now I'm preaching in a congregation I've never been to. People I don't know. And it's not an easy message. Do you know what would have been super easy? Hey, Aunt, bro, I was in the emergency room last night. And he would have been like, bro, no problem. And I'm not saying this to get kudos. It's a very, very small example. Comfortable with the uncomfortable. I wasn't comfortable this morning. Not because you guys aren't amazing. You're amazing. It's not comfortable to come and say, Lord, I don't quite know what you want to say to these guys. I think I do. I've got a little bit of an idea. I'm so, <laughs> I've said this. I'm so far off my notes, it's not even funny. It's uncomfortable not knowing what's coming next. But you know how exhilarating it is being used by the Lord in the space of being uncomfortable. And um, Neil spoke about pride this morning, which I think is so incredibly interesting. Because Jesus said to his disciples, he said, blessed are you, Matthew 5 verse 11, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way the persecuted, they, they persecuted the prophets, they, sorry, in the same way they persecuted the prophets before you. How many of you have a picture of that and, and go, well, that kind of persecution is if I stand here on Moody Point corner and I preach the gospel? It's a, do you know what it actually is? It's when the Lord asks you to do something and the first thing that pops up is, but what are people going to say? Because when someone pops up and you do something that's silly or it looks doff or it, but it's obedience to the Lord, they're speaking evil against you. They're kind of persecuting you. But you being obedient and doing what the Lord asked you to do. But blessed are you because great is your reward in heaven. I don't know. I think that's pretty. Getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Some of us this morning need to get uncomfortable for the first time. I know, not I think. Some of you are sitting here with things that the Lord's spoken to you about, and you literally have weighed up saying, but God, that is super uncomfortable. I feel like some of you have even said those words. And it might be years ago. And you know what? Years ago, the Lord stopped telling you what He wants you to do. And now you're in pursuit of your purpose. But the Lord asked you to do something back then. But it was uncomfortable. Whenever I, I, I struggle to hear the Lord speak to me, I try and ask Him, Lord, when last did you speak to me and ask me to do something and I didn't do it? Ah, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. Let me go do that thing, and then I'll hear you speak to me again. Because why would he keep speaking to you if he's already asked you and spoken to you, and now you're trying to seek him on something else? He's like, <laughs> I mean, I think, what arrogance. It's like a dad speaking to his child, 
saying, hey, I'd really love for you to do this thing. And then there's a ignoring, and then the child asks for something else. Who of you would go, oh, I can't wait to answer you on that thing? It's exactly the same thing. I'm really sorry if this is heavy. I mean, uh, the third thing is checking our hearts. Lord, what is my heart's motive? What is my heart's motive in, in this thing, in this thing that I'm pursuing, in this thing that I'm trying to hear you on? Where's my heart really? It's a statement I made earlier. You're trying to hear the Lord, but position your heart. Ask him to come and say, hey, let me shine a light on you. Let me shine a light on what's really in your heart. Let me, let me show you what's really there. When asked you say, Lord, I'd love for you to speak to me about my wife or my husband. I don't know why I keep on using that. Maybe because it seems to be a lot of single people here. I don't know. But Lord, won't you show me? <laughs> come to Richard's Bay. You'll come back getting married soon. <laughs> When last did you say, when last did you say, Lord? He <laughs> didn't ask me to say that, by the way. Is it, did I touch a holy cow? <laughs> okay. When, when last did you say, oh my word. All right. Okay, I won't mention that example again. <laughs> Let's use something else. When I said you say, Lord, show me my heart's position in wanting to get married. Am I wanting to belong? Am I wanting to be filled? Am I wanting to get some sort of identity? Am I wanting to somehow be loved? Lord, what is... What is my heart's position here? Because maybe the Lord needs to touch those heart's conditions first before He'll answer you on the thing you're searching for. So maybe it's a good example that I used. You see, the worst place from which you can search for a partner in life is trying to find identity. Ask me because that's the one thing that kept me from being able to marry my wife. I was so broken in my own identity in the Lord that He had to take me on a road of causing that thing to be prolonged for years and years and be constantly, funny enough, face rejection in order to find identity. You see, He caused me to, to actually face the very thing that I kept on not wanting so that I could face it deal with it, and find it in Him. But I kept seeking Him on this thing. When can we get married? I really want to. Uh, Lord, it had nothing to do with extramural activities. It had to do with my purpose. I wanted to feel like I belong, loved, purpose, identity that I thought my wife could give me. And the Lord said, uh-uh. I need to root those things up out of your heart. It's the same thing with your job. 
The same thing with you being used in the life of the church. I've got to search my heart in terms of my position all the time. Why am I doing this? Why do we want to plant another congregation? So that I can phone 412 and say, hey, we multi-site now times three so it can make me look good or because the Lord asked me to. Lord, you're talking to me about planting another congregation. Where's my heart here? Am I trying to advance me or advance your kingdom? Where's my heart, Lord? Maybe that's one of the reasons you're not moving forward this morning. Or So I'm going to, I don't know if you want me to land this or, do you want to land this? Thing? Oh, cool. I wasn't prepared for that. So maybe, maybe I can do this. And I'm going to hand to Neil, because I think he's, do you want to share something? Okay. That's what I was going to say. So what's holding you back this morning? That's the question. Is it self-doubt? Significance? Or insignificance? Do some of us need to actually come before the Lord this morning and say, Lord, forgive me for being so aware of myself. Forgive me, God. I know I'm not significant outside of you. Because you know that too. But you've given me significance so that I can be used. And maybe this morning is the, the, the moment for you where you can come in here and do this context and say, I've, I've formed the ugliest part of the picture according to me, but I still form a part of the picture. And so this is me. Here I am. Because maybe to you, that's not what it is. Sorry, maybe to you that's what it is, but maybe it's not what it is. I can actually promise you it's not what it is. So maybe that's your moment this morning where the Lord's saying, you've stopped, you've, you've stopped being vulnerable. You've stopped thinking you're significant, believing it. The second thing is fear of what's coming or what might come. Some of you are, are, are struggling to walk into or stumble into the destiny that God's got for you because you're too scared of what it's going to look like. How's it going to look, Lord? When we moved to Richards Bay five, six, seven years ago, seven years ago, all we knew was that God asked us to move there. Nothing else. I wasn't sent to go plant a church. All I knew was that God spoke and said, Move to this place. And only after we got there did he say, this is why. Can I tell you how many nights I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning saying, Lord, what have I done? This is uncomfortable. Nothing's working out. Nothing that I thought was going to be is being. Are we going to die here spiritually? What's going on in this place? But Lord, you spoke. We were obedient, and we did. And slowly the Lord starts moving us into the purposes. We start stumbling more into it. I'm going to leave it there. Neil, maybe you can take it from there.